Good morning, everyone. I am excited to share with you guys today. Um, if you have not been here in the last uh, two weeks, or if you are new to City Harvest Church, we are in the middle of a series on a lifestyle of worship. And uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Bob uh, shared with us what worship is and what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. And he gave us um, five misconceptions about worship. But one of the points that I loved that he um, said was just that worship is an outward expression of our heart. And then last week, Mark uh, talked about the heart of worship and how we need to get after it daily and how there are poles for our affection. He talked about worship being a connection and how we are all worshipers that are hardwired for that connection. And that we serve a jealous God. We need to be vigilant to guard our hearts, remove the idols, and put our focus on things above. This week, we are going to be talking about defining moments and our response to them and how they change the way that we worship. And then these moments are uh, those moments that have marked us, those moments that have changed the course of our lives, those moments that have changed who we are, um, even those moments that have drawn something um, out in us, both corporately and personally. And I just want to say this, that sometimes these moments don't happen in a worship environment, but they lead us to one because we have a connection with God. And... Um, also, uh, Pastor Bob and Mark also said that worship is a posture of our heart. And God draws us into these moments, ultimately to bring him glory. So we worship God for who he is. And we get to have these defining moments that show us more of who he is. I'd like to take us on a little bit of a journey this morning uh, in the Bible and just kind of share some of my own personal um, defining moments. Uh, so I'm going to start with a verse, and I would love to say that this has been my life verse. It's definitely been one that has stuck out to me throughout my life, but um, just more so recently, probably the last four or five years, it's really become the cry of my heart. It's become the desire that I long for and has really um, just drawn me closer to the Lord. And it is Psalms 27, 4, and it says, here's the one thing I crave from Yahweh, the one thing I seek above all else. I want to live with him every moment in his house, beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to contemplate in his temple. And my prayer for you today is that if you don't get anything else, that you would get this one point. Our responses to defining moments with God create a personal history that changes our worship of him. I'll say it one more time. Our responses to defining moments with God create a personal history that changes our worship of him. I love that Mark talked about David last week. I love David. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I get excited when his story starts, if it's uh, like in a Bible plan that I'm reading and I get sad when it's done because I love how real and genuine he is. I love that we see his highs, we see his lows, we see his, the ugly parts, we see the beautiful parts, we see his heart for God. But the person that God put on my heart for today to kind of um, just talk about is Moses. And Deuteronomy 34.10, it says that Moses met face to face with God. 
that he was a friend of God. And I believe that he was a friend of God because he had defining moments that created a history with God. And it changed the way that he worshiped God. It changed his relationship with God. So we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit. Um, but if you would turn to Exodus 30, or sorry, 3. I'm going to do some paraphrasing just because... I want to touch on some few things, but in Exodus three, we find Moses out in the field, tending his father-in-law's sheep. He's near Mount Sinai and he sees a burning bush. And we know the story, right? The, the bush was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. So he's like, I'm going to go check this out. So he goes over there. And before he gets fully there, he hears a voice that says, stop, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. And so he does, and he falls down and he worships. And in the midst of this, God begins to have a conversation with him. And he says, well, I've heard my people. I've heard that they're crying out, and I want to send you. And we all know that Moses was like, ah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> you know, he kind of has a moment with the Lord. But he does ask, he says, well, how will they know that it's me or that it's you that's sending me? And I love this. In verse 12, it says, He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. This is a defining moment for Moses. God is showing him a new side of who he is. And then we read a couple of verses down, and it says, I am who I am. And it says that the people, you'll tell the people that I'm Yahweh, God of their ancestors, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that I have appeared to you. The interesting thing is, though, we find out in chapter six that God says, I actually didn't reveal myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as Yahweh. I revealed myself to them as El Shaddai, as God Almighty. You see, in defining moments, God reveals a new side of himself to us. He gives us a new name of his character and a new name in which to worship him. So the people knew God as El Shaddai before this, but God is already giving Moses new names. He's saying that he's with him. He's saying, I am who I am. I am Yahweh. And now he's, and also he, we have El Shaddai. So Moses is starting to create this history with God. And we know that eventually, you know, Aaron joins Moses and they go and he's got to go before Pharaoh and he goes to Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, God is telling me that you need to let his people go so that they can go out into the wilderness and have a festival to worship him. And Pharaoh says, uh, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. And I don't even know this God that you're talking about. And it seems like your people are lazy, so we're going to make more work for them. It's important to note that before Moses went to Pharaoh, he went to the leaders of the Israelites and he said, hey, you know, he told them all that God had told him to say. And they're like, cool, they're on board, right? And then they get this hardship. And what happens? They get discouraged. And their response was to go to Moses and be like, what are you doing? What was Moses' response? He went to God because he was creating history with God. And we begin to see um, just this history kind of played out through the plagues, right? God is saying, you know, tells Moses, go to Pharaoh. Moses goes to Pharaoh, tells him to release them. 
Pharaoh says no, and then the plagues. And we see this back and forth. And in Exodus 8, we see that God tells Pharaoh, let my people go so they can worship me. And I think it's a beautiful picture that shows that God fights for us in our worship. Like he, he was trying to get the people, the Israelites out of Egypt and take them out where they could worship him. He was removing the restraints and the slavery from upon them. He was, he was working for their freedom. And sometimes the defining moments we have in worship are moments that God is fighting for our freedom from whatever it is that is creating a barrier between us and him. And he's revealing his character and a new facet of who he is. And remember, it's our responses to defining moments with God that create personal history that changes our worship of him. A few years ago, I was... um, helping out with youth and um, youth camp was coming up. And let me tell you, I love worshiping with youth. We just had youth camp. We've got a whole amazing group over here. Yeah. And it is fantastic what God does. I love worshiping with them because they're excited. They're loud. They're joyful. And it's just a wonderful atmosphere to be in. And I would encourage you, go ask them what God did in their lives today. Ask them defining moments. But a few years ago, um, I was asked not to be on the worship team and it wasn't because of whatever. It was just because they needed me as a leader to pray over the students. And honestly, I wrestled with it and I was just like, what? No, like I I want to be up there with my team and just worshiping Jesus with the team and leading the youth. And I struggled. I had this, this thing going on inside of me, but you see, God was fighting for my worship. He was fighting for the freedom of my worship because he had to remove something in order for me to have more freedom in worship. And he had to remove me from that moment so that he could show me what it is that he wanted to in my heart. And as I'm wrestling with God and finally getting to a place of just surrender, like, okay, God, whatever you want to do, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I'm confessing and asking for forgiveness and just surrendering to him. And I get to see this beautiful picture. As I look up, I see my son who wasn't yet able to be at youth because he wasn't old enough, but he was there because I was there. And I saw him worshiping with his hands up and he's just full on abandoned. You see, God was fighting not only for my freedom, but his as well, so that he wouldn't have the same things that I carried. He wanted freedom for his worship. He wanted freedom for my worship. Let's go ahead and move on to Exodus 10. In Exodus 10, we see that Pharaoh is almost lets God's people go. He says, the people can go, even the kids can go, but you've got to leave your livestock. And Moses replies, "Um, yeah, that's not going to work because we need our livestock. And we actually, we don't know how um, we're going to worship until we get there, until the Lord tells us. And so, you know, there are times where uh, people try to put constraints on our worship and we shouldn't let others define our worship. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's true. They didn't know what they were doing. God hadn't established, you know, the Ark of the Covenant yet. He hadn't established uh, the, the tabernacle. He hadn't established the priesthood yet. So they had no clue what they were walking into. They just knew that they had to be obedient to what God was saying. 
And sometimes we don't know what our worship is going to look like. We may go in thinking that it's going to be one way, but when we get there, it turns out to be something completely different. I remember one time I was uh, visiting my in-laws and we were going to church with them and I had no clue what the church was going to be like. I wasn't sure, like, is it conservative? Is it more like here? You know, I wasn't sure. And I kind of went in there and I was like, well, you know, I'll just, I don't even know if I know the songs. We'll see. And thankfully I did know some of the songs and I'm just kind of singing, you know, maybe like half raising my hand and the Lord began to just like stir in my heart. You see, I have had defining moments in worship that has created history with the Lord that has changed the way that I worship him. And for me to just stand there like this was not going to work because that's not how I worship him. Now I didn't get all crazy but because you guys know, you see me up here, I, I kind of bounce around. I can't really stay in one place. It's not my character anymore to do that. So because um, God has given me freedom. He's walked me through that. And so I, you know, I raised my hands and I moved around a little bit more. I probably totally freaked my brother-in-law out, but that's okay. You know, God's, God planted a seed in his heart. But I didn't know what it was going to look like, right? But I still had to be obedient to, to the Lord in the way that I worshiped him because I have history with him. So we know the rest of the story, right? Finally, Pharaoh lets God's people go um, after the firstborn um, dies and they have the Passover. And he's like, get out of here, leave. In fact, we'll, we'll give you stuff, just go. And the people begin their journey and they go out into the wilderness and they get to the Red Sea and Pharaoh changes his mind. And he says, uh, we made a mistake. We need to go get these people. And so they start coming after the Israelites. And what do the Israelites do? They do turn to God, but then they turn on Moses and they're like, did you bring us all the way out here? Cause there weren't enough graves in Egypt. Like what's going on? And I love Moses's response in Exodus 14. Starting in verse uh, 13, it says, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. I love it in the New Living Translation. It says, Just stay calm. <laughs> Just stay calm. You know, the Lord is now revealing a new part of who he is. He is now their rescuer. So not only is he the God who was with him, not only is he I am who I am, not only is he Yahweh, not, is he El, not only just El Shaddai, now he is their rescuer. And we see the ripple effect of this throughout the Bible as they repeat what God has done for them. We know that, you know, God... Um, took care of the Egyptians and he got his people to safety. And I love Moses's response. His response and the response of the people was they sang a song. They have a new way of worshiping him by just singing and remembering all that he has done. I think it's so important for us to have songs. It's so important for us to, to read through the Bible and to, to have these words. Because you see, there's times when we need those words in our situations. And there's times that others need what we walked through. 
so that we can encourage one another. That's one of the beautiful things about the body of Christ is that we can encourage one another. We can increase one another's faith, faith just by what we've walked through, just through our history with the Lord. Our responses to defining moments with God create a personal history that changes our worship of him. Now, all of the Israelites experienced the same thing that Moses did. They experienced the miracles and they experienced the challenges. Yet time and time again, the difference was Moses went before the Lord. He drew closer to the Lord. I would encourage you, if you get a chance, just read through the story and see all the different ways that God interacted, all the different names that he gave himself just by moving on their behalf. We're going to skip again to um, Exodus 19. And this is where I kind of want to focus for a little while. So Moses finally, and the people finally make it to Mount Sinai, right? This was the place that God said, this will be my sign that I am with you. You will get to here and you will worship me. And so God is fulfilling his promise to Moses. And so Moses gets there. It takes them about two months. They set up camp and then Moses goes up the mountain and gets some instructions from God. And God says, I need you to consecrate the people. You need to set up a boundary and you need to listen for my signal. So Moses comes back down. He gets all the people, you know, consecrated, ready for worship. And he set up the boundary because they couldn't cross the boundary because if they crossed the boundary, they had to be killed. And then they listen and they wait. And they hear the ram's horn. And when they do, Moses leads them out to meet with God. And I love it because God puts on this powerful display that causes the people to tremble. There's fire, there's smoke, there's lightning, there's the violent shaking of the mountain. And I'm sure it was similar to like, you know, a volcano erupting or something like that. But it is interesting that, you know, they have witnessed all these amazing things. They have witnessed the plagues and how God moved there. They've witnessed how he parted the sea. They've witnessed the cloud by day and the fire by night. And yet here he is showing up again in a major way. So Moses, you know, he goes and he gets the Ten Commandments. And um, the thing that the Lord has really put on my heart um, was these verses, these next verses, and it's in Exodus 20, uh, 18 through 21. And it says, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpets and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. This is a beautiful picture of how we need a mediator. And you know, we are so blessed because we have Jesus. And in Hebrews uh, 10, it says that by the blood of Jesus, we can enter into the most holy place. And I love that we have that picture of a mediator. However, I believe something else took place in the heart of the people that day. When they said, no, Moses, you speak to us. Don't let God speak to us. They, they created a wall between them and God. 
And the reason I believe this is because it's repeated time and time and time again throughout the Bible. We see that the people needed prophets. They needed um, kings. They needed judges in order for them to stay on the right track, even though God had given them this um, system and this wonderful way of connecting with him. They still, it says that if they didn't have one of those things that they did, whatever was right in their own hearts, whatever they thought was right. And I see we have this tendency even still today where we say, well, I, I can't worship unless the worship team is like on fire. You know, I can't worship unless it's like a really good album, you know, that they just really went after it. I can't worship because I can't sing. I can't worship because I can't play an instrument. And we create this barrier between us and God. Remember, it's about connection. We are all worshipers and it's about connection. You know, we're all responsible for our choice, our decision. The Israelites that day decided we're going we're gonna to step back. But you know who didn't? Moses. He went forward. He made the decision. And again, I know that he, he was chosen by God, but it was still a choice. It was still a decision. We see that Joshua made the decision. It says that he lingered in the tents afterwards. We have that decision. You see, even if everything falls apart here or something is distracting, it is my choice and my decision to come before the Lord. Why? Because I've had defining moments with him that have created history that have changed the way that I worship him. So I can say no matter what's going on up here, maybe there's not even sound happening. Maybe the electricity's gone out. doesn't matter. I can say, God, I know that you are good. I know that you are kind. I know that you are faithful. I know that you are worthy. I know that you have done this. That's my choice. That's my response to the Lord because I have created those moments with him. Now, I understand, too, that there are times when we, when we need one another, when we are weak, when, when we don't have it in us. And, and that, again, is such the beauty of the body of Christ that we can come along one another and encourage each other. But even that is a choice. We still have to say something. We still have to reach out. I love that worship isn't about playing an instrument or singing. I love that worship is about the, our heart posture. It's about being before the Lord. It's about meeting him in mundane things. It's about stopping and recognizing the beauty of his creation. It's thanking him for what he has done and who he has been in our lives. Defining moments can also happen when we take the initiative to meet with Jesus. Our relationship with him goes both ways. We make history in our own quiet time with him and the overflow of that is seen in our everyday lives and corporately through our worship. In Psalms 119, 164, it says, I stop to praise you seven times a day, all because your ways are perfect. Our responses to defining moments with God create a personal history that changes our worship of him. Um, I felt like I needed to share this uh, story this morning just because I've, I believe that sometimes we need to hear this, that, you know, worship doesn't just take place up here and it can look different. Um, I was uh, raised when I was younger, I was involved with King's Kids, which was through uh, YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And we were taught that it was the posture of the heart. So whatever it was that I postured my heart before the Lord and I was doing was an act of worship unto him. 
And so um, I, I had one of those days where I needed to be before the Lord and, and um, I, I had to do the dishes. Now, let me tell you, I hate doing dishes very much hated doing dishes. I would say, you know, I'd rather clean a toilet than do the dishes. That's how much I hated dishes. I'd been doing them since I was nine years old. And I still tell my kids that you're so lucky. Um, but anyways, so that they had to get done. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to take this time to posture my heart before the Lord. I did have some worship music going and I'm, I'm just, you know, standing there scrubbing my dishes and just kind of praying. And then Jesus walked in the room and I felt his hand on my shoulder and I felt it go across my back to the other shoulder. And it was so heavy, his presence in that moment. And I just broke down and I wept and my kids are coming in and they're like, mom, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. I'm just so sad. I'm with Jesus. Just go about your business. Yeah. But it changed because I had a defining moment with the Lord. Now I wanted to do dishes because that means he was going to meet me there. You know, he was going to meet me in that moment. Now I might be the new season. It's laundry, you know, whatever. But the point is, is God met me in that moment and it changed the way that I worshiped him. It changed the fact that it wasn't just what I was doing, but it was my heart posture before him. He made it real. Ultimately, defining moments are calling for more surrender of ourselves and a greater focus on who God is so that we capture his heart. Our worship should affect every aspect of our Christian lives and draw us closer and closer to God. Our responses to defining moments with God create a personal history that changes our worship of him. I want to encourage you this week, take time, grab a pen, grab paper, sit down and ask God, what are those defining moments? Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes God did something and, and we didn't even recognize or, or we forgot. I love, there's a line in a song and it says, I get amnesia, but you keep coming around. And so I think that's brilliant. That's so true. Why We, we do that. And the Lord's like, no, I want you to remember what I've done. And so... I just want to encourage you to do that and, and ask God, say, God, what are the defining moments that maybe I'm missing? Who have you been? What have you walked through with me? What have you fought for, for me, for freedom in? Where have you rescued me? Where have you been God almighty? Where have you been? I am who I am. And then let it change the way you worship him. Let it change. Let it bring a freedom. Let it bring you into this place where you can worship and it doesn't matter what's happening up here, but you just, you're already there. You've already had the, that um, history with God. I would love to pray for you guys. So if you could stand up, I'm gonna pray for you. May, just put your hand on your heart. Father God, I just thank you so much. I thank you that you come and in you invade our lives in just a way that we need it, that shows us a new facet and a new side of who you are, that gives us a new name and a new way to worship you and to glorify you. I thank you that you are not the same, um, Lord God, Father, that, that there are many 
different sides of who you are, Lord God. I thank you that we get to experience them, Lord God, and it makes you even more real and the connection with you even greater. Father God, I pray today that you would just cause us to remember those defining moments with you. God, cause us to remember where you have said, I am the God who is with you. I am the God who sees you. I am the God who heals you. Lord God, help us to see those moments. Help us to create this history with you, Lord God. Father, that changes the way that we worship you. Father, may our lives be a living testimony of it, Lord. Father, may it affect every aspect of our lives so that we truly have a lifestyle of worship before you. Thank you so much, God. We love you so much. And in your name we pray, amen.